Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Basically a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about magic. In particular, the online client MTG Arena. That's right. And a new set just arrived. So you get to hear our first sips or our first thoughts on that. But first, each week we both bring a beer. We drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right. Tonight we have a white mocha. It's a coffee chocolate nitro white stout from Cowbell. It's 5%. The can's kind of nice. It has like a brewery and then a chocolate store and then a coffee shop. So all the things that went into this beer. Um, Yes, I love white stouts because they mess with my mind. And I think that's fun. We have some magic news. Phyrexia All Will Be One has been released for an entire week. So I hope you've all been playing it as much as we have. Uh, I mean, we've mainly been drafting it, but we're going to talk a bit about Standard as well. But this weekend, the Pro Tour is back. <gasps> I know, it's been gone for so long. Um, so this is uh, PT Philadelphia Pro Tour Phyrexia this weekend, February 17th to the 19th. And it is in paper. I know we don't talk about paper that often because we're an arena yeah. podcast. I know. But uh, anyway, uh, the formats are um, OB1 Draft and Pioneer. So this one's actually going to be pretty cool. Um, so the 17th and the 18th, uh, day one and day two, are exactly the same. There are three rounds of Draft in the morning and then five rounds of Pioneer constructed afterwards. So... Very easy. If you're only interested in one of the things, you can easily just be like, oh, I only want to watch the mornings and then I'll be fine because uh, that might be what I'm most interested in. And then the top eight mm-hmm. is on Sunday. As always, it's Pioneer Constructed Single Elimination Playoff Matches, which is that basically means that uh, instead of playing best of three, they're playing best of five games and the first two are not sideboarded games. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's uh, it's gonna be cool to have some some like coverage that's in paper again, so we can remind everyone what that's like. Since everyone's been complaining about the arena coverage, that's um, right. <laughs> um, yeah, sounds like it's the classic pro tour, yeah, format. Um, yeah, exactly. I think people haven't seen paper content in a while, and this could be a nice reminder that like arena is easier to follow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you have to like pretty much be an expert uh, in the cards to follow it in paper. Yes. Um, and we'll also have the same fun um, what's in their hand, what's not in their hand, we don't know, um, where uh, it will update on the side the cards in the player's hand, but they're not always right all the time. And uh, so then the commentators will get confused whether yeah. <laughs> that will happen a lot. Um, so just, you know, it's going to be, it's cool. It's cool that we're getting back to paper coverage. Um, but, uh, there are pros and cons to both paper. Isn't just strictly better than the arena coverage. So, but you should check it out if you're interested, do it. I'm going to definitely check it out and might be talking about it next week a little bit. So yeah, check out as much of it as I can, um, with an emphasis on trying to watch the, the limited formats like you alluded to. Yeah. Because that's my favorite thing. And also you get to watch someone like watching the videos later of the drafter or how the games went or different things is really fun. So, um, mm-hmm. agreed. Yeah. 
Anyway, Jeff, are you ready to jump into your first sips of Phyrexia All Will Be One? You bet. Great. So, how are things going? How's it been? Your uh, your few days playing this this uh, this set. How do you how do you like it? Uh, good. So basically, I've put like a few deck lists together in standard, but I'm missing a lot of the cards for them. So I'm currently in the phase of drafting, 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 and then I have these deck lists that I just play with sometimes and mess around and uh, try to work towards. Um, I think I've already drafted this format more than I drafted Brothers War. <laughs> so we're off to, a, off to a good start here. I, uh, I'm the highest limited rank I've been in a very long time, which is Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's it's going good. I like it. Um, really, really enjoying it. Uh, how about you? Are you playing a lot? Or I am. Um, I mean, I saw that you had a couple seven win runs. You posted them in our Discord, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, so if you want to see mm -hmm. what those deck lists look like, check out our Discord channel. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun. I know it's a really fast format, and um, I think Twitter has decided to throw it in the trash already. They're like, this is fucking sucks. I, I saw like some pro players be like, this is the worst draft format ever. I fucking hate it. And I'm like, <laughs> as always, calm the, calm the fuck down. Come on. So that, that's really interesting. Cause one thing, one thing I've decided with this format is that I'm not going to like look up public opinion, uh, until I've decided my own things. Mm-hmm. Like, usually when a new format comes out, I will have already watched, like, Ben Stark draft it a few times, and, uh, like, I'll have a head start on what the pros think. Yeah. They're good colors and good cards and stuff. I decided to do none of that this time. Um, par partly because, I don't know, I just wanted to see if I would come up with similar, like, I wanted to flex that skill of trying to decipher the draft format on my own. But also, uh, kind of more importantly... Just none of the people that I used to watch stream anymore. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I can't go watch a Ben Stark stream because he doesn't stream now. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I've just been out of the like streamer game so long that I don't know who the good, who my favorite streamers are at the moment because everyone that I would normally turn to uh, isn't on. Or like sometimes Reed Duke will stream, but I think with the Pro Tour coming out, like he tends to take like weeks, a few weeks off before the Pro Tour from streaming. Yeah. So anyways, I just have, like, I don't have a go-to for that kind of content. Uh, so this is, like, brand new information to me that it's not being well-received. It is, luckily, I was able to identify that it's a fast format. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, all on my own, after getting one drop, two drop, three dropped out of a few games. Oh, those uh, are the best games, but I'm always the one who does one yeah. drop, two drop. Actually, I usually go one drop, two drop, one drop, two drop, but whatever <laughs> um yeah yeah i uh i don't agree with what everyone is seems to be saying it it's also the kind of thing that like it's way too early to say it's bad. yeah like, and that's it's ridiculous i feel like this happens every time when there's like a new format and um people i mean i'm on twitter a lot so i see what everybody says i don't write a lot of stuff but i do read many things um and people yeah. people when i'm talking about people saying this they're they're, you know, pro players are talking about it on Tuesday, like the day it came out that they're like, we don't, oh, okay. they're like, we, we don't even have to wait to can't like, can we serious. skip the whole, like wait till tomorrow to really care? Cause like, I hate this. 
And I'm just like, come on. Like, I, I've gone through my own thing. And we'll talk a lot more about this next week. But I'm in a draft right now playing a deck that I haven't drafted before or really played against. And so mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. That Finding that deck because the pieces fall into your lap because nobody likes a specific color is awesome. And you're like, oh, I will take these and see what I can do with them. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. So I might just keep trying to draft that deck. Uh, and we'll see how that goes until things level out a little bit since it, it seems like, you know, once somebody says, oh, these are the best colors or this is the best thing, you just run into everyone's drafting that and you can't really get a foothold. So then other things pop up. So I've been happy to see that I like the other option. That doesn't always happen. Exactly. And you don't know that type of stuff, right? Like early on. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like, we, we say this all the time, but we know, we know that early data is always skewed mm-hmm. fast because while people are figuring out the format, their decks aren't optimized, they're playing cards they probably shouldn't be playing, stuff like that. Um, fast decks get a huge, like an extra boost out of that because fast decks take advantage of stumbling or of people, you know, with playing like subpar cards. Um, so the fact that the format is always fastest when it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think this is a fast format. There are just too many high quality one and two drops um, for it not to end up skewing a bit fast. But like, I don't know. It sounds like people are saying it's like, you know, the fastest format of all time and therefore terrible, which, you know, it's fast, but I don't necessarily agree with the link that fast is bad. (laughs) I also don't think that fast is bad. I loved Almanket draft. I would draft it again. (laughs) (laughs) Oof. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like but so the problem with Amon Ketraft was more that like it, yes it was very fast but there was just one all-star deck and you always wanted to be that deck like the I think it was red white I can't it was quite re- remember it was yeah, white yeah. for sure but like so it's not like there were three or four fast decks and then every deck had to respect the speed it was like this one deck is just ridiculous and you're gonna you're just gonna get torched by it every draft and that was so that was what it wasn't necessarily just the speed there it was like the combo of it's very fast but also very unbalanced (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i was just well i mean i still like amonkhet i'm not retracting that statement um but i it just feels like every time people talk about fast formats that's the first one they go to they're like oh that when they talk about bad uh draft formats they talk about ixlon and when they talk about fast formats they talk about amonkhet and those are like the most recent right. ones that they, they jump to. Uh, besides all the times you... I mean, that's what I do too. Yeah. So maybe we need to update it. Like bad format can be, uh, I don't know, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, there you go. And fast format can be Phyrexia. Mm-hmm. We, we might have to change that up because... Well, we'll see um, how the color imbalance shakes out. I feel like people are doing the same thing they did in... Um, AFR where they're staying away from blue like the plague and now I just I yes don't know if that's correct but so that's a decision I also made another place I line up I guess with public opinion um that one was really funny because I just did a I just got suckered a couple of times by blue cards and then just had underwhelming draft like 
results, like two threes and stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to take blue this draft as a test um, because I would always see like, oh, this like the, the fucking blue icy manipulator. That's the one that always gets me. I'm always like, oh, this card's fucking nuts. Am I getting it like fifth pick? I move in on blue and then I have a shit draft. Like I just do poorly. So I had to like, just to stop myself because it happened like a bunch of times to me. And I was just like, okay, just try to not take the blue cards, even if it seems like it's the wide open color and it's what you should be doing. Because at this moment, I don't trust myself to draft blue. I don't think I understand how the decks are supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not like I think blue is so bad that you should never draft it. Because it has some good cards. Like, I still, I still stand by that Icy Manipulator being a good card. But it's like, I don't understand how the blue deck is supposed to work, because any of them, really. Because I always keep... I always think I have a pretty decent deck, and then I lose. So, obviously, there's, like, a disconnect. Um, so, I don't know if it's the same as AFR, where blue... Like, their blue was just awful. Like, the best blue common was worse than the, like, fifth best red common. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure that's the case here, but I have also identified blue as like, I want to stay away from it for now. And I've noticed, I knew that other people figured that out too, because like in my more recent drafts, as I moved up to platinum, there's just so many blue cards everywhere in every pack. Nobody's taking them. Mm -hmm. So obviously like word is out, but I do want to like, like you're saying you, you explored a blue deck. It sounds like right now. Um, I want to do that too because I think there's some there's some good cards to work with so you could probably make at least one of the archetypes is probably decent yeah and because I I, fir- I haven't run into a lot of the different blue decks and I agree that they're the cards are everywhere and the reason I like the deck that I'm playing right now is because I had a bunch of uncommons that I normally wouldn't get if people cared about these cards but like they just go like you get them so late you're like well okay well i'll just take a bunch of these this is great um so we'll we'll see that draft is going well but i also think that in the draft i'm playing just as a caveat i have been playing against a lot of blue decks so it doesn't necessarily mean that like (laughs) (laughs) it's good against like the field um but i have been having fun with it which is which i was doing the same thing i was trying to avoid blue and then uh, the white deck, the white red deck I was trying to build fell apart, and then I had to pivot into blue as my second color because there was nothing else. And I was like, well, okay. And then it ended up being kind of almost straight blue because I was like, I just don't have anything. <laughs> like, they were, it's just a, a mess of crap. It felt like a disaster. And right now I'm sitting at like five right. wins. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, this isn't so bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's great. Five wins just, as a blue deck. That's a win. Yeah, that's, boom. Uh, draft limited format over. I did it. I, I figured it out. Um, there's one other thing. This is more something I was, I'm just trying this time, um, which I don't, I don't even think it's smart, but um, I have not opened any of my prize packs yet on the client they're just sitting there and i'm waiting until i draft a lot more so that hopefully because as you all know you can't open uh fifth copies of cards from a specific set on arena so the idea is that i draft all these like draft rares and i pull all of them out from the draft 
cards that would be sweet in the draft. I'm like, yeah, I'll play this. And then I have a bunch of copies of those. So when I open the prize packs, I won't have any of those draft rares. I don't know if, I don't think it actually really matters, but I've, I've thought about it before and I've never actually tried. So this <laughs> is the first time I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do that and see what happens. Yeah. I'm sticking to it until I decide to no, no longer stick to it. I don't know. I like the experiment. I, uh, and I'm curious the results. Mm-hmm. I just opened them right away because like sometimes it's kind of random. I'll just be like, okay, it's time. I want to play constructed and I'll craft the rest of whatever I need for my deck. Mm-hmm. It's not always clear when I'll make that decision, so it's nice to know. It's nice to have, like, whether or not... How, how many wild cards will I need to use as an input to that decision? Yeah. Um, like, if I happened to open a bunch of Jaces or something, I know I don't have to craft the, all my Jaces, but... Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not playing Standard right now. Um, spoiler alert, not really... Um, I've played some old decks, but not, or whatever <laughs> cards are that I've actually drafted and I have copies of, um, but I haven't crafted anything. Right. Uh, so I'm waiting for that moment where I feel like I really want to, and then I'm going to open everything and, and then craft the rest. So nice. I don't know if it's good. Anyway, that is a good lead into standard. Um, you said that you had a couple decks that you built and were waiting to get the other pieces in. Is that what? So you're, you're saying that they're just sitting in your, your deck slot and you just have the whatever cards that you haven't crafted yet or sitting there waiting to be crafted or are these like... Exactly. Oh, gotcha, yeah. okay. So it's just lists that are sitting in my thing and they have the big mm-hmm. old, you know, not valid uh, indicator all over them. Yeah. But I have a feeling, you know, like, like, like you, I haven't actually played a ton of the new standard format. I have a feeling that this set will not have a particularly large impact on standard. Okay. Or at least I feel that it has had almost no impact so far. Just like looking at, just just kind of briefly perusing what other people are playing. It seems like you know there's a lot of mono white with no new cards. There's a lot of Grixis with no new cards and <laughs> stuff like that. So that's uh, also like I'm one of those people. Like when I said I wasn't playing standard, yeah, <laughs> I'm playing an old deck. Whenever I feel like I'm on my phone or something playing standard, and so I'm one of the no new card people um yeah so i i I get where that they that comes from it's just like oh i want to play magic but i don't feel like getting a new deck right now or crafting something or i'm just on the toilet for a certain amount of time i don't want my phone you know something like that um so it's like i can't oh yeah build and and i'm definitely not criticizing the people doing that i think part of it is also just well you'll see when we get to our you know picks later but it wasn't as easy to pick like the slam dunk as <laughs> the layup as it usually is because there are a lot of good cards, but I don't think any of them are like sure to see play because there's just like standard is just so powerful, and this set is maybe not it's probably like middle middle of the road power level mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> I think I'll probably go with you that like it does feel like that, but I don't know forever it just feels to me it feels pretty powerful. But I also don't always see the inherent power level of certain I don't formats until I it's too late. I feel like I have the the like Fable of the Mirror Breaker glasses on all the time, where everything looks like oh this is pretty good, and I yeah. would just I cannot really tell whether it's amazing or not until I get obliterated by it, and then I have a, the opposite effect where I feel like it's way too good, 
until uh, I play with it and then I'm horrible at it. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to evaluate cards. So that, that's why I'm saying it's like, this is my initial impression that there's no Fable of the Mirror Breaker level card in this set. Like the, none of the cards are, are as good as that card is. Mm-hmm. And we've had a few sets where they just have these staples of the format, right? Like, um, you know, Wedding Announcement's another one that comes to mind that's just... There are a lot of white decks going around, and they all play four Wedding Announcements. There are a yeah. lot of red decks going around. They all play four Fables. Um, I don't know if we have... If this set's going to provide anything like that. It might be more of a role-player kind of set. Gotcha. Okay. I will, will say, like, Toxic has the potential to become its own deck, right? So... That's like enough of a unique and inherently powerful mechanic that that that's probably the the biggest change I, I could see coming out of this is if toxic ends up becoming uh, a viable aggro. Yeah, I guess in my mind when I'm thinking about a set that doesn't really impact standard that much, my brain kind of goes to like Strixhaven, and it doesn't feel like that yeah. to me. No, um, it's better than Strixhaven. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess it's sort of. Di- it affects standard at a default level just because it has the fast lands. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, at the very least, it's going to impact standard because the fast lands are like the best lands in the format mm-hmm. for a lot of decks. But I was trying to like not not uh, take the lands into account. Yeah, I mean, I will say I think people have been shying away from green and standard, and some of this set's better cards are green. That's what I was gonna. So s- it could yeah. like help push green back into the limelight. Because I was looking at some of these cards and I was surprised that a lot of people were talking about green being one of the best colors in draft and it not, mm-hmm. and some of these cards being like, this looks awesome. Some of these cards are like, yeah, this is going to be sick and standard for the green deck. And then I'm looking at lists and I'm like, there isn't a green deck around. Like it's, um, right. yeah. what, what green deck? Yeah. Which green deck? <laughs> Um, that's for you to do your green black deck. That's what uh, that's what that means. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I <laughs> I think I did craft a, a tie bar because I I had your you were in my mind and I was sitting in a draft and I was like oh fine I'll take it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I took one too. Yeah. <laughs> Together we have. And it was on my list, two. so I was like, of course, I'm gonna take this. Man, that is one thing. Like, obviously, we talked about this two weeks ago with the no pass list, but. Oh, it's so nice being able to like look at cards. Like I looked at a Koth today and I was like, no, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like pack three and See, it I, was like not even close to my colors. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to take this removal spell instead. <laughs> See, I have the opposite. I was in like whatever black green or whatever. And I see a cost in pack three. I was like, gotta take mm-hmm. it. It's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice either way though. Like just, having that decision already made yeah it's just it feels so relaxing because you're just like i'm not going to stress about this i've already decided i'm going to take this cough or i'm not going to take cough because i don't want to play it exactly uh, so i'll just take the good black removal spell or whatever you know. overall i i am really excited to continue the draft that i have going right now obviously playing magic is fantastic mm-hmm. and I, I love new sets but um i think this one more so than the lat than brothers war i'm actually wanting to go and like play at this moment as we're talking and i think that hasn't really happened maybe dominaria united but um kamigawa i was like really stoked on so 
it feels like it's been a while since maybe it's just this time of year maybe maybe just in january february i just want to play a ton of magic so i don't know normally the fall set's the one that always gets me yeah when i play the most of um, <laughs> but yeah i'm in the same position like this is the most i've played in the first week mm-hmm. of a format coming out in a while but I, yeah, I'm just enjoying it. I didn't realize other people hated it. That makes me kind of like it even more. <laughs> I knew it would too. <laughs> um, uh, I like that I, I came to some conclusions that other people seem to agree with. Uh, I had like three big things, right? I was like, okay, the things that I've decided on my own are uh, I should stay away from blue until I understand it better. Uh it's very it's a fast format you need two drops and uh i think red green oil is my current like front runner for best deck Um, those were like the three things i was fairly confident on interesting i don't i don't think i've heard anyone talk about uh red green oil i've died to a couple i didn't really feel like those decks though it just kind of had like just creatures didn't feel like the oil deck but um I haven't played it yet. I actually haven't played a lot of red at all. So um, it'll be... Uh... Oh, I've been playing so much red. It seemed like my, my experience has been pretty split where it's like, if I played red, I got... I think, I think every time I've played red, I got at least five wins. Every time I played blue, I got like less than three wins. <laughs> it's been a very all-over-the-place format. Like, normally I'll go the whole format. I won't get any 7-0s and I won't get any 0-3s. Like, those are very rare for me. But I have had both experiences in this format. Like that that uh, Nahiri like ridiculous Boros deck I sent in the Discord. That was seven zero, which was one of the first drafts I did. So that was a nice start. Yeah. But then I promptly like o three with some blue deck that I thought looked pretty good. So <laughs> I was just like, you know what, this format's just wild. Well, that Nahiri deck was great because then I immediately tried to build a deck like that, got a Nahiri, and went two three, and it was horrible. Oh. Uh, and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I'm going to play white-green again. And then I go, like, 6-3 or whatever. I'm like, nice. So. Yeah. Mm. It was the lack of toxic. That did. Yeah. Yeah, when I say red-green oil is the best, I mostly just mean, like, red-green is kind of where I want to yeah. be. But the oil synergies are generally fairly good. Like, the, the flame-tongue Kavu guy. Yeah. For oil. We're- is... Uh, <laughs> Quite strong. Yeah, I think we'll we'll talk a bit more about it next week. But just on that dude, you're talking about it's the four mana four two artifact creature that's red. Every time I read yeah. that card, in my mind, it says it deals damage equal to the number of artifacts you control. <laughs> like in my, that's all I see. So there's been so many times I'm like building an artifact deck. I'm like, oh, this, wait, 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 no, 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 that's not what it says. Okay, nope. don't pick it, don't yeah. pick it, don't pick no, it. That's not what it does. <laughs> I haven't had the problem where I like put it on a stack and then it resolves and i'm like i didn't what do you mean i didn't get to blow anything up i have like five artifacts i didn't i haven't had that issue because i haven't really played red so uh luckily right i have steered clear from that but uh yeah yeah anyway super interested to see like this is the fun the really fun part about doing this too where i don't really engage with uh you know what other people are thinking is that when i watch the pro tour they're going to tell me what the pros think mm-hmm. of the, and it's all going to be like new more or less. And like, Oh, I was very wrong about this and this, but I got this and this, right? Like, yeah, it's going to be kind of, it's going to make the pro tour more fun to watch. I think That will be fun as well as 
seeing that the things that they say, they think they're really great, and then their deck is horrible. That's always fun, too. Yeah, well, that happened in, like, was Worlds. It, it was at Worlds, yeah. yeah. Were you like, why is... Where I was just, like, insisting that Boros is good and that these crazy multicolor stupid plants... <laughs> stupid plant decks suck and it was so vindicating when the stupid plant deck did poorly and the Boros deck dominated the pot. Yeah. yeah so anyway um, we'll see if that happens as well maybe it'll be like a mono blue deck that uh, wins it all that'd be that would be I would love that oh my gosh it's just all like trawler drakes because then after that, that, that card. everyone would they were just gonna be playing like blue after that like there will be no blue cards if that happens. So, um, and that's what that's I right. love about draft. It just changes so much. It's great. Um, but anyway, Jeff, I'm out of beer. And so I think it's time for a beer break and then we can get on to our worth of slots. Let's do it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by being a listener. But if you want to support the show even more, well, the Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by clicking the big old Buy Jeff a Beer button. Or clicking the reasonable sized Buy Zach a Beer button. So go to patreon.com slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host. Or if you'd rather send us beer emojis than real IRL beers, join the Arena Regulars Discord channel. The link for that should be in the show notes. Okay, Jeff, this beer has a very specific instruction on the can. Uh, it's, it's a beer that I got from this like little beer boutique by a friend of mine's house or his apartment. And, uh, the owner told me specifically to do what it says on the can. So, um, you're going to obviously do it, right? Uh, all right. Okay. Now putting a sticker right on top of the lid seems like a bad idea normally, but, and, I, and this is no exception. <laughs> I think that this is... Yes, it's frustrated me, the sticker residue on, yeah. the, on the tip of my camera. All right, so uh, the specific instruction, the guy at the store told me three things. He said to shake the can, pour it hard into a glass that is clean and dry. Uh, so I have rinsed my glass and dried it out. And I'm going to shake the can... So this beer, this is, um, it's called Keefe's Irish Stout. It's from the Granite Brewing Company in Toronto. And it is their Irish Stout, obviously. It's 4.5%. Um, but it's nitro. And I don't know if the guy at the store was just saying specifically to me, have you ever had a nitro beer before? This is what you're supposed to do. Um, or he just tells everyone. I don't know. It's kind of strange, but I was like... So it seemed pretty intense about it. They it, put a sticker on the can. It was pretty intense, especially because the sticker like leaves so much like paper. So if there's paper in this beer, yeah. bronze. Immediately bronze. Immediately bronze. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeff, are you ready to pour this hard into the glass? Yeah. All right, here we go. All right. I'm going to crack it. It's going to go all over my computer. Here we go. Oh, yeah. definitely all over the place yep <laughs> i wisely moved my keyboard back so. i got it on my hand and my keyboard thank you so much beer guy <laughs> got all over the playmat i use as a mouse pad. so my hypothesis for this beer was wrong 
Yeah, I was definitely thinking that nothing was going to happen and it was going to be totally fine. <laughs> However, that's not the case at all. <laughs> it's just like crazy. Anyway, another Nitro Stout, two Nitro Stouts, but uh, we just thought we'd try the, the Nitro Stouts back to back. And well, right now one of them blew up on my computer and the other one didn't. So I don't know where I'm leaning, but you might, uh, you might know it from that. All right, Jeff, are you ready for our world-famous worth-a-slot section? Absolutely. All righty. Uh, Jeff, would you like to explain to everyone what our worth-a-slots are? Sure. So every set, after we've played the set for a very small amount of time, um, we decide to choose our worth-a-slot. So the idea here is that we would choose a series of cards that we think would be worth a slot in your deck. Now we have a gradation, we have a system here that we use. Um, we like to uh, basically go from our most confident prediction to our least confident prediction, and we use a sports metaphor, because uh, we're cool sports guys. <laughs> cool sports to, guys, uh, that's us. <laughs> that's right. It's actually the new name of the podcast. Yeah, I watched the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. I, uh, I know some things about sports. <laughs> Um, but this is basketball zone, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah. focus. Um, <laughs> so our most confident prediction is a layup. Then we have our three-pointer, which is our sort of middle, medium confidence prediction. And we have our half-court shot, which is almost certainly not going to come true, but it'll be awesome if it does. That is right. Okay, Jeff. Um, I'm ready with some of my worth of slots, as always, because we like to do this on the fly sometimes. But we'll, we'll figure it out. Would you like to go first with your layup? I think about it beforehand, but I don't, I never make any like hard, like firm decisions. And then I always change it up on the fly. So <laughs> it's like half on the fly, half prepared. Um, sure, I can go first. As I was sort of alluding to in the first, in the, the first half of the show, I don't know that there's any super obvious cards to me that will definitely see play. I think there are a lot of cards that could mm -hmm. um but what i'm excited about again we talked about it earlier but is hopefully the resurgence of green i think green's kind of fallen by the wayside in favor of your grixis's and mono whites of the world uh and that leaves green uh, you know crying in the corner but there are some really serious green cards in the set so i wanted to make sure i picked a green card um, now that comes with the caveat that if nobody plays green decks then this actually won't see any play yeah, right of so, course of course yeah um but i'm i'm betting on it being good enough there's enough good green cards in this set to help green bounce back so there's a few cards i could have chosen here i think in the end i'll go with a black green card because i think that has the highest likelihood of seeing play um and i think like this could be a reason cards like this could be a reason that people start moving back towards Jund and away from Grixis as like the black mid-range deck of choice. Uh, so I am going to choose Glissa Sunslayer mm -hmm. as just a really, really pushed black-green three-drop. So this card is a one black-green for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature Phyrexian zombie elf with first strike and death touch. And when she deals combat damage to a player, choose one. Either you draw a card and lose one life, you destroy target enchantment, or you remove up to three counters from target permanent. So this card breaks the rule of 
creatures these days need to be need to do something when you cast them. Um, I think it is the upside is high enough though that it's worth it. Um, the combination of you really really don't want to block this because yes. it beats everything in combat. Everything. And you really really don't want to not block it because the the like saboteur trigger is very very strong. Um, I think combine into like this card just being a must kill. And anytime you have a must kill, um, you just know it's like set. Like a three drop must kill creature is kind of rare. Usually a two drop or a three drop, you can take a few hits from them while you set up. Um, three drop must kills are crazy. And like if you just imagine being on the draw and your opponent goes like whatever, some two drop um, Blood Tithe Harvester, say, into this, like you already just feel so far behind in this turn it's your you've had two turns right Mm -hmm. and you now have to kill this um because you can't let it you can't let it draw its cards or you can't play an enchantment because it'll just destroy it um yeah i've had to play against this card a few times in limited unfortunately i've had the the (laughs) misfortune of having to play against this um it's just like it makes you feel like there's nothing you can do because you you don't want to block and you don't want to not block. You can't even multi-block it because Mm-mm. the way Death Touch works, it will, <laughs> unless you block it with four creatures that all have at least three power, uh, it will win the combat. This beats just this just wins all combat, essentially. Yeah, this card is the shit. Um, I, <laughs> I, I've played it in draft, which is a lot of fun. And uh, it was actually one of my picks... Uh, for this because i was like this card is so awesome but what i'm most well there's two things i want to say about this card that you didn't already touch on um that it's basically unblockable but um uh so the one thing is so when it says remove up to three counters from target permanent like remember it says permanent because it doesn't take out uh poison counters off of players Mm -hmm. so just remember that um, but I do want to know what shenanigans you can do with it besides like my first initial reaction was, okay, this has, it feels like it almost has the same text as questing beast. It's like when you hit a player, you also get to deal damage to a planeswalker cause you take off counters from them. Um, but also like, are there any black and green sagas that you want to just keep using over and over again by taking the counters off and just continuing to have that on the battlefield? Um, and obviously taking counters well, off of your opponent's creatures. But... And just play Jund. <laughs> yeah, but th- but then my question is, do you want to take the counters off of Fable? And so all, you're making shamans and drawing discarding cards? Don't you kind of want it to flip a lot of the time? It's like if I could add counters to Fable so it would flip faster. That seems like... It would have been, been so good with Binding the Old Gods. So good. It would have been so good. Play this in Pioneer. <laughs> yeah, because then blow up one of their blockers, attack in, they like have to take it and then you <laughs> take the counter off and next turn you blow up a new thing so that'd be that sounds that sounds like a yeah. deck i want to play um so this <laughs> card seems sweet um and i would much rather see jund running around than grixis i think just because feels the feels that's how i feel anyway awesome definitely love that pick my layup no surprise is a white card <laughs> and uh, this is one that I, I like, kind of like, kind of glossed over early because of 
what it is and its mana cost, which are two things that I tend to not care about. Um, but I'm going to talk about the Eternal Wanderer, which is four white white for a five mana legendary planeswalker. It has a static ability that says, no more than one creature can attack the Eternal Wanderer each combat. It has a plus one that says, exile up to one target artifact creature. Sorry, exile up to one target artifact or creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of that player's next end step. Zero, create a two-two white samurai creature token with double strike. <sighs> Love that word. And then minus four, this is the big one. For each player, choose a creature that player controls. Each player sacrifices all creatures they control, not chosen this way. So, yeah. Wow. Through the whole thing, I think when I was first reading this card, I kind of read the top ones and I just tend to not read the bottom. Just like on every planeswalker, I tend to not really read the ultimate because it tends to never happen. However, this ultimate can happen when you play it, which is always enticing because building up to an mm -hmm. ultimate. Not my favorite. Ultimating right when it comes down? Yeah, like it. And this one is a really crazy board wipe because you get to choose who lives and who dies. Like most of the time with these white things, it's like each player chooses a creature and sacrifices the rest. No, no, no. This one, you get to pick them. It's, it's so awful yeah. when like... Your opponent gets to keep, like, their shieldred or whatever, and then they, like... Or, in this case, it's probably, like, their... I don't know, their Adeline or, or something great or their... Whatever they're, they're using, and gives you, like, a 1-1 one, one token or, like, something terrible. Or, like, I guess if you're playing Toxic, they give you one of your mites and you can't even block with it. Like, it is brutal. Um, so this card with the... This, like... There's a, like, a mono white mid-range deck that's starting like it started with the wandering emperor was like its top end and now it's slowly building mm -hmm. up it went to elspeth and now it's like coming up to another wandering emperor the eternal wanderer um so i uh i like it i think you wouldn't have very many of these and it is a very niche deck but i think this ability is strong enough and specific enough that um it's just it's one of those like what the fuck like yeah. I'm expecting to see this um, in standard. Yeah, I think the reason I slept on this was that my brain auto-corrected the last ability to, like, the usual, mm -hmm. each player chooses a creature and destroys the rest, like you mentioned, like which is much, much, much worse than this. Much, much worse. The fact that you get to choose. There was a card like this in Cons of Tarkir where you destroy all but one creature or something. Um so not quite the same because I didn't have to. I would never leave them with one of their creatures. Basically, mm -hmm. um, it was like super busted and uh, limited, but it was just too expensive for constructed. This to me, I almost read it as like that bottom ability is the main reason you play this card, and then the rest is all upside. Yeah. So you think of this as like a board wipe, a very strong board wipe that leaves behind just so much extra value. Um, and board wipes are, like, there are no good, like, good cheap board wipes at the moment. So the fact that this is six mana, it's not like, oh, well, you know, it's uh, so much worse than the other board wipe options. It's not. You know, it's this and, like, farewell are your choices. Exactly. So, 
and this is a card. The yeah, fair, card's really good. Farewell's a card I'm not interested in because that's a very like controly card where they just try to wipe everything clean and then land something huge. Where this card you can play in your creature decks because you yes. you it could still do stuff when you're not wiping the board. And then if things get out of hand, you can wipe the board or, or whatever. It's just much more utility than the farewell is. Um, in the plus is, is quite good in the creature deck too. Yeah, double strike two two double strikers. I mean, obviously six mana for a two two double strike. That's sad, but the fact that you can continue to make them <laughs> and it the loyalty stays the same is nice <laughs> it's very yeah. nice good choice i like like the card uh, and i wasn't really i didn't really have my eye on it because i think i i just assumed the last ability worked the way that they usually do that's what i thought too guys. until <laughs> i ended up playing one match against it randomly and i was like oh i was like oh, okay it's fine i get like my best creature i, I pick this one and it didn't let me pick i'm like oh no Oh no, I'm stuck with a one one. This sucks. That was really bad. And then I conceded on the spot. You're like waiting for your 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 chance to choose your creature. Yep. Which is happening. Never came. Just never came. So the next card I want to talk about is one that we did talk about uh, two weeks ago. But I wanna sort of reiterate that I just like this card. I think it is very powerful. It's just about whether there's a home for it. So for me it just makes the perfect uh like three-pointer worth a slot because the card is definitely good um it's just we don't know if there's going to be a deck that wants this effect because it's not sort of generically all-star powerful and that's jace so my my three-pointer is going to be jace the perfected mind it's two blue and a phyrexian blue which means you can pay blue or two life if you choose to pay two life it enters with two fewer loyalty counters so this is the completed ability we've seen a few times. It has five if you pay full for it. Um, it has a plus one until your next turn up to one target creature gets minus three, minus oh. It has a minus two. Target player mills three cards. Then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards. Otherwise, you draw one card. Minus X, target players mills three times X cards. So I think one thing to keep in mind with these Planeswalkers, right, your brain wants to evaluate them as a four mana planeswalker, but it, like we've learned before that three mana planeswalkers are always so much better than they look. And this is actually upside on that because it's three or four mana. So it's not a four mana planeswalker, it's a three or four mana planeswalker, which means it's better than a three mana casting cost, generally. I mean, you do have to pay the two life, but generally speaking, you're not going to be too worried about that so early in the game. So basically the point I'm trying to make is like the bar is relatively low on what this has to do at three mana or four if you want it to do a bit more. Um, and the plus one is really good at defending itself. Like we've seen pluses like this that are just super annoying. Like when you're on the play, for example, this comes on turn three, how many creatures is your opponent going to have? generally zero or one and is that creature gonna have more than three power probably not so the plus one just like is gonna on even on an empty board is likely to keep the jace around um but the minus two is really what i'm interested in here um like if any deck is at all interested in milling itself if there's if that deck just exists this minus two is very very strong 
um, mill three cards, draw a card. Even if you forget about the fact that when you get to 20, it's, it's turbocharged. Just mill three cards, draw a card. In decks that care about milling is very close to draw two cards, um, which is obviously an insane Planeswalker ability. And the the last thing might come up. I know you've been talking about it in Rogues, and like, <laughs> I want to just like mill you for nine, pay three mana, two life, and mill you for nine to turn on all my Rogues. Um, I have a feeling this ability won't be used super often, um, but hey, some, sometimes it will come up where this was good. So, uh, yeah, I think just as like a draw engine that protects itself fairly well and. The only missing piece of the puzzle is you have to want to mill a player. Usually, I assume it's yourself, but you know, in the rogues example, it's pretty good to point this at the opponent. Um, but that's like the whether or not Jace sees play is basically just do decks are decks interested in milling? I mean, like if a deck is interested in milling itself, um, you're gonna find it because that's the kind of thing you have wanted to do in the past, and I haven't seen you play a deck <laughs> like that in a long time, so. Uh, I'm excited to That's see. That's the deck list I have yeah. currently built. <laughs> it has three Jaces, but I'm I'm waffling between three and four. I currently have zero. In gotcha. Fortune, so. I think I opened one, and uh, that was the one I needed. So I'm very happy with that. Um, but uh, you know, I might need more if if this comes up. Oh, this always happens. Every time Jeff talks about a deck that he's building, like now I just want all the cards for it. It's just. Oh, so <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, I'll just only talk about mono white from now on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Um, so my three point shot um, is also a card that we've talked about before. And the only reason I'm counting it as a three point shot is because of the color that it is. And you were already talking about this, and you took a nice shot on your um, your your layup, just being like, I want this card. And I think this card would be nice in that deck as well and go very well with that card because it's Tyvar Stand. I love this card. I can't not love this card. <laughs> it's so good. I had, a, I had a feeling when you said it was a green card, I was like, oh, oh is it Tyvar Stand? It's my favorite green card. Um X in green for an instant. Target creature you control get plus X plus X and gains hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. And it's just so nice because like these, I love these protection spells, the one mana protection spells, which this is, but it also kills your opponent. And green also has lots of trample. So it all kind of works out. It just, it's so nice, especially when you have like, yeah, Glissa is out, and the only thing they're gonna ever do is try to kill it with a spell or a board wipe, and you're like, oh, sorry, boom, stopped all of that. Yeah, this is like the most pushed version of these cheap green protection spells we've seen in a while. Mm -hmm. Like normally these cards are plus one plus one and hexproof, or plus two plus two and indestructible. It's rare that you get both, and then also like it scales and just kills them like you said in the yeah. late game um yeah this is this is like the dream version of this card because when you care about the protection you you're only paying one mana and then when late game you care about the damage then you pay more um and the one mana gets you both hexproof and indestructible which yeah which is the key usually they don't do that 
So, so then, it survives rats. It survives single targeted removal. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't survive farewell, but everything else. Yeah, it doesn't survive farewell. And then if you, like, there's probably a situation where, um, if people end up starting to run, um, what is it, Liliana's? Uh, no, no, not Liliana. Sorry, <laughs> she's not in the set. Uh, Shieldred's edict um, is like. Oh yeah, that card is pretty good. So, so th- we might start to see that around. Probably to get rid of planeswalkers, but also, um, I think people were talking about using it uh, to get around some of the venerated uh, rot priest stuff. But in any mm-hmm. case, um, that might be the only thing that is a problem. But I just don't. I think you're just having more stuff going on. So um, stoked for this card. Uh, definitely worth a slot in your deck. Uh, but. And it's great because you can craft these, no problem. Don't even worry about it. So it, the only caveat and the only reason it's like a three-pointer like this is because green right now isn't a big deck. So we need, we just need green to be a deck. Exactly. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. I have so many, so many options in my head about the half-court shot. Um, some of them I think are like a little too good to really be half-court shots. I'm going to go with one that does feel like a bit of a long shot, but I I could see it. So I'm going to choose Atraxa, Grand Unifier, um, mostly because this makes me think of Nicol, uh, not Nicol Bolas, uh, makes me think of Niv-Mizzet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this card is three, green, white, blue, black, for a 7-7 seven, seven Phyrexian Angel legendary creature. It has Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, and Lifelink. And when it enters the battlefield, you look at the top 10 cards of your library, and for each card type, you can put a card of that type from the among the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So I'm imagining some, like, standard deck that is the five-color domain stuff, so it plays, like, the, um, you know, that cheap removal spell if you have domain. Maybe it does the whole, like, Okagachi thing. Uh, And it has this as its top end. And, uh, and this, again, like they're, they're sort of explicitly giving a nod to Niv-Mizzet, I think here with a very similar ability of look at 10 and draw a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. I underestimated Niv-Mizzet when I first read it as well. And after playing with it was like, oh, this is actually turns out like a six, six flyer that draws four cards is amazing. Um, so this is obviously better than that 7-7 seven, seven flying vigilance death touch life length is probably going to draw at least three cards but it's much more expensive this costs seven instead of five mm-hmm. so i think it is still a bit of a long shot just you know it has to be in a four or five color deck and uh it still costs seven even if you jump through that hoop um, but the power level is definitely there so i could see it and there's enough like there's enough on theme stuff here there's like been minor multicolor five color themes and a few cards have been piling up for that theme and uh, we have treasure tokens and stuff so uh, i kind of want to see if somebody just builds the like atraxa deck yeah that's true are we also interested in reanimating atraxa or cheating it in any way honestly didn't even really think of that yeah but yeah we could do that because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty sweet um the other thing to note with this is that um, this was a something we didn't really talk about on the show, but like it was a huge 
breakout thing when um, this card came out because when it was talking about card types, one of the card types it says is battle. Now, battle right. is not a card type in Magic, so this is a little <laughs> nod to we're getting a new card type. Um, I'm fairly certain it's uh, March of the Machines, so um, mm-hmm. look out for whatever the hell that is. Um, and maybe that will make this card great. Uh, we don't really know. But, um, I mean, like, I was hoping the same thing with Karn in Dominaria United, where he had an ability, like, with the Power Stones, and then there's more Power Stones in um, Brothers War, but he ended up not... Uh, didn't matter. So, <laughs> so I don't know if this is going to be the, a similar thing, where it's like, oh, what is that new thing? Oh, it doesn't actually matter. Okay, whatever. But, um, regardless, like, this is still pretty sweet it just it does seem like this is the kind of card that like it's really fun to be (laughs) like a half court shot because it would be a fun deck to play until it's like really good and then it's just so miserable and i just hate it yeah but that's where you want this type of card to be is like a long shot Mm -hmm. where it's like well i lost to atraxa somehow but uh it was pretty sweet (laughs) so that's always nice (laughs) This is so hard because I, I feel like my half-court shots um, have been super spicy in the past. And I love yours so much that I almost feel like I just want to build the deck with you right now. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. jump on the, the back of your Atraxa uh, half-court shot and add another card to that deck, which is... I don't know if it's... Also not going to see play. I mean, it possibly could, but um, uh, I think it would go in that deck. And it's uh, Green Sun's Twilight. So X and a green for a sorcery. Reveal the top X cards plus one of your library. You choose a creature card and or a land card from among them. Put those cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library to random order. If X is five or more, instead put the chosen cards onto the battlefield or into your hand, and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Um, this is a really great way of cheating a tracks out onto the battlefield uh, for six mana, and it's only green. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I've, dra- I've played with this card a lot, actually. Um, I've drafted it three times, and they've all been a lot of fun. Wow going into one of my favorite drafts, which is where I had Green Sun's Twilight into Tyrannix Rex, which happened very often. <laughs> and it was a blast because that creature has haste. Um, so That is amazing. It was amazing. Uh, so I can vouch for the power of Green Sun's Twilight, at least in the 40-card deck. <laughs> but I'm sure in the 60-card one, it would be great as well. If maybe you have another something, but like, being able to like six mana of whatever colors and obviously you're green so you're ramping into it so this is probably turn five and you play a seven seven flying death touch lifelink uh draw a bunch of cards <laughs> like love it and then you just get another green sun's twilight to put into your hand because you find one off of atraxa just in case she gets killed you do it again anyway so that's uh it's not as splashy or different but i think that maybe our half court this time i'm gonna piggyback off of you and it's gonna be this is the new deck we're building apparently um 
I'm actually kind of excited by this. This actually feels yeah, possible. Yeah, we'll go build that deck. I think now. we got to build this deck. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in, in trying to help us build that deck, come to our Discord channel and we'll uh, maybe we'll workshop it together. Because <laughs> that seems like a lot of fun. Um, I do think we'll have to name it something Nitro. Nitro Atraxa. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because we're drinking all these Nitro stouts. Jeff, this is usually part of the show where we talk about some overrated and underrated cards. Mm-hmm. I think there's maybe one card I wanted to talk about. I, but it, there was a card I, I had in mind coming into this, and then I ended up seeing it and starting to play with it a little bit. And then I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if it's. It might be as good as everyone's talking about, but it also could be terrible. But it's also not really the card that I like playing. I don't really know. Um, but I think I'll just jump right into it. Uh, I just don't know how overrated it is, but I feel like it's a card people are talking about and I really didn't like it at the beginning. And I, I still hope that it's, this is more of a vengeance thing. It's not so much that I think the card's bad. <laughs> it's that I hope the card's bad cause I don't want it to be good. Um, gotcha. And it's probably trash, but uh, I'm going to talk about Mind Splice Apparatus, which is three and a blue for an artifact. It has flash. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on it. And then instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast for each oil counter on the Mind Splice Apparatus. So this is just straight spell slinging bullshit that I, <laughs> I don't love playing decks like this for the most part. Um, the best part about this card is that it has flash so that like when you're doing your shit, you just end step play this and then your upkeep immediately. Everything's cheaper. Um, which I do kind of like, it is nice when your, your cards are super cheap and then maybe you're playing like a giant, I don't know, any of the X spells in the set are nice to, to play for free. Basically. I don't know. For the most part, it just feels to me like a do nothing artifact that costs four mana. And it just doesn't affect the board the way I would like. And I, I felt, I felt yeah. like I saw a lot of people get really stoked on this. And I watched um, Covert Go Blue play in the like um, early access event. And that deck seemed pretty cool. It was like a proliferate like poison counter deck without playing like real poison creatures. It was just like that card right. that yeah. it just proliferates and stuff. Um, which... Was kind of fun to watch, but not necessarily the deck type I enjoy. So um, I don't know if that's the reason I was like off it or just not really excited about it. (laughs) But um, it seemed to be the really exciting thing. I think I saw somewhere there's an article that said it's the new um, wilderness reclamation. Mm, Yeah, that seems that it's if anyone says that, then it's overrated. Um, Mm (laughs) Yeah, this was on my list as well. Um, so if this card didn't have flash, it would be unplayable. You're horrible. Uh, God, absolute trash. Like, like you said, it does have flash, so that that puts it in the conversation. The best thing you can do with this card is obviously like X spells. So the fact that White Sun's Twilight exists mm-hmm. um, and Blue Sun's Twilight would be, in my estimation, like the reason to do this because... Like, imagine you're a control deck. When you get to the stage where this has been out on the battlefield for several turns, um, like, you don't, you don't need this anymore. You've won the game. When the, when the blue-white control deck or whatever 
it's is turn 10 and it has a bunch of lands it doesn't need to make its spells cheaper mm -hmm. like you you just you have you will you will already win the game without this so that's why i'm saying like you need a reason to do this and i think it's somewhat convincing that white sun's twilight and blue sun's twilight and stuff like that could be that reason just having uh or there's the Silver Scrutiny, I want to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, this turbocharges those. I'm not super interested if you're telling me, like, you know, some of my counter spells cost one less because they're not going to cost two less because they are they're cheap to begin with. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's where this has to go. And then I'm not sure that that's even the best way to build a control deck. And then it's also, like, super susceptible to artifact removal which you know this thing is easy to kill and it's expensive mm -hmm. so i think all that together means that this this is a cool card and the idea of like playing these big x spells and x is like 10 yeah is awesome i'm wondering how many games you win because of this and like would you have won if this was just something else i think the answer is most of the time you would have won if this was just a different card good card yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it probably is overrated, but I think there's some excitement around like control decks and, and also I, I think proliferating onto this is like really bad. Like if you're building your deck to proliferate, wait, what's going to happen is you're going to have this card and all of your proliferate spells are going to be cheap, but like they don't do anything because all they do is proliferate an oil <laughs> counter on yeah, this. they make deck. this so better. <laughs> eventually you need cards that do something that's why you know it's got to be white sun yeah and the card that does something is uh that one in a blue give your opponent a poison counter draw card that's the that's the only thing you got right that's the best card in the deck yeah um, yeah i've seen a, a lot of people are really into this i it, it's a neat idea right to play like a blue black control deck that wins by incidentally like poison countering the opponent on everything mm -hmm. I just don't think it's that good. But I, I think that's a totally fine pick because people are pretty psyched on this card, yeah. in my estimation. Uh, and I think it's probably kind of a flavor of the month thing. It might Maybe it turns out that, hey, this card is just powerful. Like, it's powerful, right? So maybe it's just powerful enough. Yeah. But um, my money would be against it mm -hmm. because if it even starts to get good, people just start playing really efficient artifact removal and then you're stuck with all these expensive X spells and they killed your thing. <laughs> I think there are a lot of cards I could choose for my overrated. Um, but I'll just go with the one that... I'll go with the one that just stood out to me. When I thought overrated, I thought of this card. Um, that To me, that's, uh, that's Vraska. Oh. I think people just really want Vraska to be good. I just don't see it. Like, everyone has this idea of the Super Friends deck, and then you play the Vraska, and you proliferate, and all of your Planeswalkers get extra counters. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, sure, but... <laughs> again, if you have multiple Planeswalkers in play, and they've all survived, and they're sticking around for turn five or six or whatever, did you need this card? Because you were... Con you were dominating the board with planeswalkers all of these abilities are fine right like draw card lose life proliferate it's very fairly strong um, target creature you know it's a removal spell make something into a treasure 
so five or six mana is too much for just draw a card on a planeswalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need more than that. And giving someone a treasure token is a big downside. That sucks. Like, this isn't just a blanket removal spell. What right? is what? Like, what is with creature only? Yeah. What is with people loving to give their opponent like lands or like mana? It's, it's so bad. We've seen stuff like this in the past, and it's always way worse than it looks. Yeah. So. I think people are always trying to build the like Super Friends, Braska, Proliferate deck. I'm sure this goes in the blue black, like Proliferate, mm-hmm. Poison Counter, your opponent <clears throat> thing. You're never getting to nine, first of all, because this you have to activate it three times to do that. Um, and again, you would have won. If this sticks around, you, you're winning that game, mm-hmm. whether you use that ultimate or not. The ultimate doesn't even actually kill them, it actually can't kill them. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of. I think this card's pretty meh. I think it reads really well. It looks good. Looks like all of the abilities seem good. Mm-hmm. And like you're always imagining it under best case scenario. Oh, I have a bunch of planeswalkers and I proliferate. It's like, okay, but what do you do on an empty board or when you're a little under the gun? You like turn one of their things into a fucking treasure token so that they can play a bunch of stuff next turn and you're even f- further behind. Like it just seems like, I don't know just seems like that's what this card's going to do. It's going to come down yeah. when you're behind. You're going to pay two life for it, and then you're going to remove one of their things. Then it's going to die, but they're going to play two things because you just gave them a treasure token, and then you're going to be in a worse position than you were before you played this. See, that's my most... That's the play pattern I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it looks cool, but I definitely agree with you that... Um, no... That, I don't know, Super Friends decks, I don't know why people are excited by them. They always, for me, they just don't ever seem that fun. But I don't know if that's, once again, just not my style. Yeah, this might be like a vengeance thing, just like you, where Mm -hmm. I just don't want this to be good. I don't want to play against the All Planeswalkers deck that's proliferating. So I'm going to say this is bad and... uh, move on yeah exactly this is the same uh this is another overrated card that i don't know why people were talking about uh that i just was not excited about <laughs> that i almost talked about <laughs> i just want to talk about overrated cards but Iker Moon gauntlet do you remember seeing this card oh my god yeah yeah two and, so a, two and a blue for an artifact <laughs> it just gives your planeswalkers zero proliferate and then minus 12 take an extra turn and then whenever you cast a non-creature spell you can choose a counter on target permanent and put an additional counter on that so it's like when you play non-creature spells, you proliferate for one thing. But it's another, like, three-mana bullshit <laughs> artifact that, like, <laughs> gives your <laughs> planes- so bad. Planeswalkers, like, bad abilities. Like, zero proliferate? That's not really great. Uh, <laughs> when you need a Planeswalker mm-hmm. to do it. I don't know. Ugh. So. Think, think about, like, a lot of the time, zero proliferate is the same thing as plus one, blank. Plus one, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> plus one, uh, <laughs> gain a life, lose a life, you know? Like, <laughs> it's just, oh, man. Anyway, I'm looking at some, uh, like, underrated cards, and I feel like what we've been talking about for the most part is that they all feel, that I don't think anything is hiding in the weeds. There's nothing that's, like... I mean, you might have one. I think I know which one you might be talking about. But um, for me, I think that, like, every card seems to be 
either overrated or fairly appropriately rated. And, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. Do you have a, an underrated yeah. card for us? Um, there are a few that I could choose. I think it's hard because I don't necessarily know. Like, underrated's always weird because it's just that you don't see people talking about them. Uh, we're overrated it's always easier because it's like uh, you, people are actively talking about them and you're like wait what whereas the opposite of like what card aren't people talking about so it's a little trickier and I'm with I you know we've kind of made this point I don't think there's anything here that's like amazing and nobody's talking about it so usually I have a pretty good pick for this and I don't really have one um mm-hmm. But one card that, like, I'm interested in that I don't think I've even heard anyone else mention is uh, Vran. Vran. That's exactly... Vran. I knew... Execution. This is one that I was looking at earlier, and I was like, I know Jeff's probably going to pick this one, so I'm going to let you talk about it. Sorry for interrupting you, but go ahead. You can talk about Vran. <laughs> yeah. Vran, Executioner Thane. Uh, so one black for a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever one or more other creatures you control die, each opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. It triggers only once each turn. So triggers only once each turn. Bit of a bummer. It's a legendary creature, and it's just a 2-2 for, like, just a grizzly bear otherwise. But this ability is very good. Like, draining for two is way more than you usually see. Usually, like, they don't even give you blood artist anymore. It's like, draining for one. They give you, like, opponent loses one life. So it has to play a little differently. It's not like the combo sack all my creatures in one turn. You lose eight because uh, it can't do that. Um, but it is, that's like hefty. Anytime a creature dies, it drains for two. That's pretty huge. So, you know, I'm definitely interested in playing Sacrifice decks. I this I didn't even know about this card until I drafted it. And I was like, really? I kind of want to play this in Constructed. <laughs> I thought this would be all Somehow this one slipped radar. by me. <laughs> well, this is a perfect underrated, uh, and it was one I was thinking about, but I, I just knew you were going to pick it, so I, I had nothing else to, to go for. Mm-hmm. But um, this is one that, like, there were a ton of people super stoked, but then as soon as they saw that this tr- ability triggers only once, they were so off it, like, incredibly hard, which I don't see why, because the, like... Rakdos sack decks, like playing Anvil, is basically the same because you can only do that once. Like you right. like those that, that ping ability only works once a turn because you have to tap it. So like I don't know. This is exactly the same, except for not, because you can do it on their turn too. It's even better. So um and and you're right, draining for two is so much. You can still kill in a hurry with this, like it's it's one of those year end step like on my turn year end step and then my turn again Mm -hmm. it's a lot of damage that just came out of nowhere you start combining it with other effects like the anvil or the the white black uh, like Ilias core oh yeah 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 um, gets it up to like three um, it just kills so quickly so uh, if it weren't legendary Mm -hmm. this would be a no brainer you just stack these then you kill them immediately um, they probably thought about but, that. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think maybe they knew. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested. One question I have is, uh, how does it work with Drivnod, Carnage Dominance? Because Drivnod says if a creature dying causes a triggered ability to trigger, 
that ability triggers an additional time. But this ability says explicitly it only triggers once. Um, I don't so I, know. My instinct would be that it triggers twice, but I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That is an interesting question, because then we'd have to judge. If you're a judge or you know anyone who is a judge, please tell us. <laughs> um, because I would want to know that. I mean, it does say that it it triggers an additional time and this literally tells you won't ever trigger another time. So I could see it right. being sad, <laughs> being very sad, but, um, yeah. Cause that'd be the difference between me crafting any Drivnods versus not crafting. Any I think you shouldn't craft them and just play Cause I think Vran's good enough by itself. The Drivnod is just like extra gravy. Yeah. And then, uh, maybe, Maybe you'll pick up one and you can see. You can check it out. But this is why... I'll report back. We need a mode in Arena where you can just play any card just to ch just against a computer to check and see if the rules work the way you think they do. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like, let me build my brew. I'll play against Sparky. And then when I realize that that actually isn't how magic works, I won't waste any of my money on it. <laughs> but That's right. <laughs> that wouldn't be very helpful for Wizards. Anyway, all right. Um, great. I love them. I'm excited to look back on these and see how right I was. Um, green's going to be a deck for sure, and <laughs> we have a fucking sweet brew coming up. I'm very excited for this Atraxa deck. Um, yeah. Yeah, look out for that one. I'm going to have to start drafting Atraxas now. Um, so that's... the. Ugh, damn it, I just added something to my no pass list that's that and this is all <laughs> oh boy we were talking about how like having our no pass list we're trying to keep it separate from the worth of slots but then what happens is when we talk about worth of slots you just start adding cards to your no pass list it's just yeah uh, <laughs> works the other way anyway jeff let's go to last call let's do it Alrighty, so we have two beers to rate this evening and as always we are rating on a scale from Bronze to mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. This has nothing to do with which tier you are in currently, because we've all been in different tiers at different times. Uh, and there, it's also just a fun way to rate beer. But with that being said, bronze beers are trash. They're horrible. You throw them out. You can't even drink them. They explode all over your computer. And uh, and then you, you, I don't know, you throw up or something. <laughs> Silver beers are just beers that aren't super interesting, so macro brews or just you know micro brews that don't have a lot going on mm -hmm. tend to fall into this category gold beers are fine but you don't really think about them very often platinum are solid you drink this again diamond beers are exceptional um you go back and buy more and you bring them to to show your friends and mythic these are the best of the best you would recommend these to anyone who will listen these are your favorite beers Alrighty, two Nitro Stouts, two very different styles. Um, yes. Do you have your pick for the night? I got mine in my hand. Yeah. Here we go. Three, two, one. White, White Mocha. Knew yeah. it. Um, I had a feeling yeah. that we were going to align on this one. I was, uh, yeah, I think from all the noises I was making early on, it's fairly obvious and fairly different and weird yeah but good um <laughs> yes so this from cowbell i don't i can't even think of another cowbell beer that i've like in 
really enjoyed. It always they always feel like meh to me, but I also can't remember anyone in particular. So, have we done a cowbell beer on yeah. the show before? I don't know. I had the exact same thought process where I was like, in my mind, cowbell is like meh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't super excited about this. But then I was like, what are the cowbell beers that I've had? And I, I couldn't even... I can't even name so. any of them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, this was so interesting. It's very different because we've had one other white stout on the show, which is the day you gave mm-hmm. the glasses, which is the, it was bringing yes. me back. <laughs> very cool. Um, right, right. That was super sweet and this one is so different than that one because that other one was like much mm-hmm. more coffee forward and this one had much more chocolate um which i yeah, loved this one was pretty chocolate it's very chocolatey and creamy and uh yeah i i didn't really know what to think but obviously weird looking beers always seem good to me but um i like this uh, i enjoyed it as well white if you've never had a white stout, you gotta try it. Like, I don't know why, but it it just definitely messes with my mind. The fact that it looks like a regular beer and tastes like a stout. Um, and I never get used to it. And so this one had the same process. So it took me a few sips to like, you know, I wasn't even really tasting it because I was just, I was just too messed up. Um, but then when all the dust settled on that, I did like it. I have no idea what to rate it, but I decided I think I'm just going to give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I really enjoyed it, so I'm going to give it Diamond, I think. I, I'm i kind of with you, too, because this is so different and unique. that, uh, And it's not so out of left field that like you wouldn't be able to convince people to drink this. You could go to be like, hey, I know what you think about Cowbell, but like, just drink the white mocha one. It's going to be kind of weird, but I would. it's worth trying. You should definitely test it out. Yeah, exactly. I, I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And right now, I would, if I had two more of these, I would probably drink both of them. It's like low in alcohol. Right. Happy with it. Uh, Diamond. Mm. Agree with you. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Um, let's go over to Keefe's Irish Stout. So... Um, still good beer. I was upset with the sticker. (laughs) Yeah. The sticker. (laughs) It was off to a bad start. So it it had some things against it. The sticker thing on the top, that's very unbecoming. And the instructions were horrible. Um, you should definitely not do (laughs) any of the things. You could pour it hard, but you shouldn't shake it. I don't know why that was explicitly yeah. on the thing. I didn't even feel feel like I shook it that aggressively. I gave it like a little, just a little back and forth. Shake. Yeah, that's what I did too. Like I didn't. Really I didn't do a shake weight. I just did like a little, uh, I don't know, right. jingle jangle. I was nervous that it was going to explode, and, and it, it did. Still exploded. Yeah. So that's more so. To be fair, I feel like a lot of that's coming from like the the place I bought it. The actual taste of the beer is good. It's like toasties and kind of smoky and rich and nice but it's so hard for me to get a nitro stout that uh, i don't just want to be guinness <laughs> you know like i feel just for me i'm just like hmm but like i thought it was kind of boring i don't know maybe it's because it was after the white mocha 
That's it is it is like run of the mill. But it just came in. It just was super like flat, like not flat as in not carbonated, flat as in like, I don't know. It wasn't as it wasn't super interesting to me. It it kind of reminded me a little bit of Guinness in that regard. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> this is so like meh. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're just looking for different things in a stout or. It probably is like the white mocha was just so in your face, and then this one was so pulled back in comparison. This one, but I had this one at Gold. Yeah, this one tasted very similar to what I was expecting it to be. Um, I'm gonna give it Gold, but that's because of the entire experience. Um, if I tasted right. this on draft and they Keefs gave me one, I'd probably give it Platinum. But like overall, I was. Uh, Displeased. Gold because of the sticker. Displeased because of the sticker. Um, but uh, no, I like Guinness because you can drink them all day. It doesn't feel like you've had anything. Uh, it's, it's like an alternative to... It, it just jumps so many levels. I love Guinness. You know I love Guinness. Um, yeah. I would fly... Like The reason I want to go to Ireland is to go drink Guinness at the... <laughs> the factory so um that that's a huge marker for like <laughs> how much i love guinness anyway we should go to closing time so as always you can reach us at arena regulars on twitter and instagram might also find us on mtg arena itself under the username arena regulars podcast if you want to talk to me personally you can find me at zulberg that is z-e-u-l-b-e-r-g on twitter and instagram but jeff where can they find you best places on our discord channel i go by regular jeff the discord channel link is in the show notes also please leave us a review on apple Podcasts on itunes follow us on spotify and leave us a review there if you can go to our youtube channel and figure out where our videos are and leave us some comments um all of your input is really helpful and we love to hear it this has been the arena regulars reminding you not to shake up a can of beer before opening it no matter what the sticker says That's fine.